This talk was recorded by Insight Meditation South Bay in Mountain View, California. For more talks and information, visit www.imsb.org. So, um, so that's me, and I was not here for the first classes when you began. Were, have any of you been able to, to come to all five classes? Yeah, that's, that's real um, courage, and it's a real intention met, so I hope you give yourself credit for that. It is, um, it's a way to start fulfilling your own um, wishes as you start this practice. But I am curious about your motivation for coming in the first place. And I have several questions. You probably have answered this question in this class at some point, maybe more than once, but this is the last night. So I would just like you to reflect for a minute on what was your motivation for coming in the first place? And has that motivation changed over these weeks of practice and listening and, and learning? How about your expectations? What were they and have they changed? And I would love to hear from each of you, but if you don't feel inclined to answer, that's perfectly fine. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use this stick. So if you will come up and accept the stick as a talking stick. If you're talking, hold it. And if you don't wish to talk, pass it to the next person. You're welcome to share um, that idea about what was your motivation to begin with? Is it the same now? Is it different? Expectations? What were they? Are they the same now as you continue on? We learn from each other so much in this practice. If you continue and um, come in with a group, you'll see how much wisdom there is. So if you would respond and then we'll let other people, since we're such a small group, we can work like this. Well, it's the stick that's used to strike the bell. And so the soft part is what we strike with. And that's the only significance, except now it has the added significance of the sacred talking stick. So, And talk into it. That's right. And some people do. It kind of gives them something to do with their hands while they're talking. So would you share? There you go. Just don't start singing. <laughs> this is true. I well, I came. Um, I'm going to ask one thing. Talk, talk for everybody. I'll hear you. All these things that you mentioned are possible, and they're possible right here. And you've come to the right class tonight. This is really the nuts and bolts. How do I really get started? And it's not going to be the sort of deeply spiritual things that Shyla's teaching you. I left that to her. Um, tonight is going to be, how do I really get it going in my own house, in my own life? So it is possible to do exactly what you were motivated to do. Thank you for that. Maybe you pass it on. Please feel free, if you don't wish to speak, to just pass it to the next person. <laughs> Doesn't get any stronger than that. <laughs> Yeah, and that, and it is a struggle, and for for young parents, that's a difficult time to include it. We'll talk about that. Thank you for sharing that. 
sometimes um, some of us come to meditation and we're kind of ready to get started and some of us are right there ready and it's not because of some wonderful virtue you have or haven't got it's just where you are in your life so it's wonderful to hear all these different um, responses we have two experienced meditators in the room would you either of you care to speak to what continues to motivate you in your practice and if, if you don't want to you don't have to but it's helpful to hear and, and tell us how long your practice has been if you would you know, that really points out the fact that um, these Buddhist teachings, and, and you are learning in the context of a Buddhist group, like any, um, um, any deep traditional teachings, you don't hear them once and you're done. Okay, finished, done. Uh, you hear them over and over, and each time you hear them, they become nourishment of a different kind, just depending at what level you're practicing. Um, this is a human practice of personal investigative discovery. It can be a way to have a spiritual life without having to address a deity somewhere. However, that being said, if you have a practice of belief with some other tradition, Hindu, Islam, Christian, you will find nothing that contradicts your beliefs in here. Um, we don't deal with it at that level. There are people who do, and many of the ethnic Buddhist practices have a lot of component of belief in it. Typically in the Western Sangha, we, um, we don't go there. We use it as a personal practice and a very deep understanding of reality for ourselves. For me, and I started very much like you started. I was one of the first um, patients sent to this El Camino, whichever direction it's in, El Camino Hospital, by a doctor who um, wrote on his prescription pad for me, meditation class and he said um, I can give you medicine for your condition but there's a lot of bad side effects so he said you try this and he said you know it might not change your condition but it won't hurt you so I went for the eight weeks and sure enough it didn't hurt me and just like you I wanted I got right away there was way more to it than what they were teaching me in the hospital so they always tell you if you want to continue find a Buddhist group that's where they hold this practice very carefully in meditation is. So that's when I discovered San Jose. This group didn't exist at that time. And I took off for that sangha every Wednesday, and I've been doing that for 16 years. I attend, of course, many other places too. And six months later, the medical condition was gone. It was inoperative, so to speak. Was it because I started this practice? I don't know. But I, you know, my life got so much better. Just like you're saying, um, I, found, I found I suffered less because I made the effort to do this, to understand it, to interpret my own reality in a completely different way, or maybe not completely, but certainly in a different and more skillful way than I ever had done. And uh, perhaps like you talked about emotion, um, I discovered that even though I had been raised not to feel all the emotions I felt, I discovered they were all there just waiting for me. Surprise, surprise. So anger was available to me. Sadness was available. Before, I would not have given myself that permission to 
experience that because I didn't know how. I'd never been taught. So with a practice like this of mindfulness, and Shaila has given you such skillful instruction how to be with difficult experiences. Um, for me, and I think for many experienced people, there, becomes, there comes a real joy in being attentive to whatever life is handing you, even if it's not so pleasant and even if it's difficult. When you realize you can be there and just say yes to life, whatever it is, that brings you to this really strong, solid place of, I'm okay. Even if this difficult stuff is happening that I don't really want to be around, it is happening. And underneath that feeling of sadness or grief or anger or worry or fear, I'm okay. And this practice allows us access to the feelings that are quieter, the feeling of being okay, the feeling of peace, the feeling of confidence that whatever emotion comes up, I will be able to experience it and somehow it's okay. So for me, it was really an expanding of my life and it continues to be as I um, just continue to keep working and in, it's like teaching in jail uh, is larger than life because any problem you have is multiplied, is just enlarged greatly because of the lifestyles of the people who are living in jail. They're so much more confined. Their life conditions are difficult. I mean, they even sleep difficult. They sleep on a shelf, basically. Um, and so when I see them having these deep realizations, too, I know it's possible for me, and I know it's possible for you. So actually, um, teaching in jail for me is a very life-affirming practice. It's also very difficult. But, you know, here I am teaching you. You have your own version of suffering, whether it's a huge suffering or the suffering that we have just from living as human beings. The Dalai Lama says nobody comes to this practice because they're happy. Everybody comes because they need something else in their life or they're really in pain and sadness and grief and confusion and they need something more. And so here we are at the end of a five-week class and really um, I'm going to go right to the nuts and bolts of how to get your practice established. Some of you have done that. Some of you have found out that 40 to 60 minutes a day probably is not going to happen all in one chunk in your lifetime every day at this point. Um, I would like to suggest that partly it's a matter of setting priorities and partly it's a, a matter of looking a little more carefully to see what your life will allow. So some of you have come in and said, I just, you know, it just doesn't work out. I get that. Sometimes it really doesn't. Do I meditate every single day? No. But I meditate more days than I don't. And I feel it when there's too big a gap. If we leave too big a gap in between our practices, we sit down and we have to start over. We have to sort of start the realization over again. So consistency is probably more important than time. Meaning, 
To do it more often is probably more important than to do it for 40 minutes a day. Uh, for me, what seems to work right now, when I started, I would do 45 minutes a day without fail for years, rarely missing a day. And then the spaces began to come in. Um, I began to have such a stronger practice and awareness in my life uh, that I got busier, and I didn't take the 45 minutes in a day. 20 minutes twice a day works for me on good days. Um, I try to not let any day go by without conscious practice of mindfulness, even if it happens as I go through my day, even if it doesn't happen on the cushion. But I cannot let days go by without giving time to just sitting. So looking at your life, you're going to have to be creative, and before that, you're going to have to form an intention. Some of you came with some kind of strong motivation, some real need. Remember that need when you begin to um, observe how to get this practice going. I'm going to go through some really nuts and bolts stuff about how to do a practice at home. And you can follow it closely, or you can follow it loosely, or you can make something else up, or you can tell us what is seeming to work for you. For those who have children at home, I would say it's probably a good idea not to isolate your practice away from your children. I have heard people who can include their children, even little ones, in a meditation practice. If two, if two parents sit down, the kids are going to want to be where you are, typically. I don't know how old your children are, but the little ones tend to want to be where the parents are. If you can reserve 15 minutes of time for parents and children together, and if you begin to sit in silence and sit still, physically still, the children may come and just imitate you. They may at first sort of be insistent and poking, Mom, Mom, Mom. But if you have enough patience to kind of get them into the idea, for these minutes, Mom and Dad are quiet, and if you want to be quiet, come with us and sit with us, just quietly. You can play, but no talking. It can work. You can try that. I remember somebody in our San Jose Sangha who had little children. They would come and just sit on the parents' laps, and they would just sit there, not for the whole 15 minutes, but they had the experience of mother and father being silent and still together and themselves being silent and still, and that it was perfectly normal and it felt good. So... You may have to do it like that. You may not get a private practice in your life right now, or you may, I don't know. But you might approach it in that way and just see how it goes. Then when you are able to do your own practice, of course, do that as you can. So here are the ways that many of us have found that we can begin to get a practice into our life once we have formed the intention, one way or another, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it more days than I don't do it. And I'm going to do it for as many minutes as I am able to commit to. So the first way to do it is to set a time of day. And by that I mean, are you a morning person or an evening person? 
typically you already kind of know that, but if you're not certain, observe your day for a few days. When do you feel most alert to begin with? Um, it's best not to time your meditation to start when you're exhausted or full of stress and jangly, um, but to find a time when your body already is kind of ready for that and when your schedule will allow it. So um, observe that if you need to. And then try to meditate during that time for yourself in a consistent way. This is, why do we do that? Because habits are very helpful. When we have a habit of meditating, we're going to notice when we don't do it. It's not going to feel as good for our day when we have skipped a meditation. Good habits are helpful. Unskillful habits are not helpful. So we try to build the good habit. The other thing that can help is to set a place, in your, probably in your home. Uh, some people try to do it at work. If you have the kind of place, an office, where you actually could set aside place and time for it, lucky you, and do that. But do it where you can. But if you, if wherever you do it, try to reserve a place. And it doesn't have to be a room, and it doesn't have to have an altar, but it can. Um, a place where when you go to it, your body and your mind says, oh yes, this is meditation, time and place. So it could be a certain corner in a room, it could be a certain chair in a room. But discover a place for yourself that you can count on to help you come into a meditative um, quality of mind. Then the idea will be to put this place in order. Whatever, And it might mean you have to do this each time you meditate, or it might be that you just reserve this corner for quiet attention. And so you take the clutter away from it. Anything that is an attention grabber, you just remove from the presence of that chair or that little place where you're going to meditate. You'll need a timer of some sort. I often use one of these digital wristwatches. It's got a timer, countdown timer on it. I'll set it for whatever I want. 25 is my typical time, 25 minutes morning and 20. I like to meditate when the light is changing, so in the early morning, or in the evening. And that, of course, changes every day as the times change, so it keeps me real seasonal. I tend to be a seasonal person anyway, and I like that time of day for meditation. I feel alert and inner during that time. So um, have a way to time your meditation because you're going to commit to yourself how long you're going to sit there, whether it's 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, before you ever start, you're going to make a commitment to yourself. Whatever happens, I'm sitting here for this amount of time. So you set the timer, and of course you can get an app. You can download stuff on your phone, your computer. Nice little gong. I have one that um, it gongs, and then I set it to, to start the meditation with three gongs one minute later. So the first gong, I sit down on my cushion, I kind of arrange things, and... I usually have some kind of a wrap around, so if it's cool, I can wrap up. If I need a little pillow under my leg, if my knee is sore, all that stuff is near me in my place. I settle in, and then when I'm ready to go, I'm ready. 
So we set up that physical place. Some people ask, should I have a candle, you know, in this place? Personally, I find candles very distracting. They flicker. If it gets darker, I can feel my eyes adjusting to it, and it is not helpful to me. So I do not use candle. If you like a candle, put a candle there. I don't mind. <laughs> Whatever you like to do. Now, here, this is really important, and this is the part we often skip when we're doing a home practice, or a, rather I should say a personal formal meditation practice. We need to prepare ourselves by setting a supportive um, environment and a supportive mind state. So don't race into your meditation. Don't run in the door, throw the laptop down, and sit on the chair. Don't do it that way. You could, and I've done it that way. But I must say, you spend half your meditation just calming down. So know that you're going to meditate in 10 minutes and start looking ahead. So if you're working, doing some kind of tasks at home, if they're simple tasks, complete them. If they're complicated tasks, come to a logical stopping place and let the task go. Get to a point where the mind can just be at ease about it, if that's at all possible. And then stop so the mind can be removed from the task. Turn off the news, whether it's radio, TV, computer rolling, turn off music. Turn that stuff off. Let there be just some natural sound around you or whatever sound is quiet around you that you can get. This will um, limit the stimulation coming in from outside yourself. Meditation is inner work. You can think about politics and you can think about murders later or earlier, but not right before your meditation. Turn off your phones. Turn off your personal stuff. If you have a watch that beeps, turn off the beep or leave the watch somewhere else. Um, turn off your computer audio. Turn off the screen so it's not flashing its screensaver at you. Create conditions around you that are not going to go and grab your attention out. It just makes sense to make your life easier. We don't want to make your life more difficult because you're meditating. We want to make it easier. And then it's really important to take care of the body for meditation. And so, again, thinking in 10 minutes or so I will be meditating, come to an awareness of what is my state of energy? How do I feel in my body? I'm going to ask you, how, whatever position you're sitting in right now, just sit still. It doesn't matter what it is. And close your eyes. And tune in to what your body senses. And perhaps I will mainly guide you to become aware of the touch of clothing on the body. the sense of temperature on the skin, the movement of air, the level of sound around you. Whether you might be aware of a taste inside your own mouth, of an odor in the air, 
and then take a deep breath and open the eyes again when you feel ready. Tuning in to the body is a way for you to make some adjustments before you start the meditation. This doesn't have to take 15 minutes. We probably took 5 or 10, 15 seconds. Um, If you need an adjustment in temperature, fix that. If you need to quiet something else, fix that. Close a window if it's noisy outside. Turn on some white noise if it's really bad noise. Um, Put some loose clothing on. For me... Uh, I can't stand to have jeans on when I meditate. Sitting in this position, it's really tricky for me. I like stretchy clothes. So I, if I know I'm going to meditate, I'll go pull on stretch pants. Sweatpants are great in the winter. We're very comfortable. Um, wake up to what your body's telling you. What do I need to at least start my meditation in comfort? We're not trying to make you uncomfortable. And you don't need to do that. It doesn't benefit your meditation to be uncomfortable. You can start with whatever comfort you need. If you find your energy is really low, if you're sleepy or, or jangly, do something to regulate energy. We can do movement. If we have time, I'm going to show you a few simple Qigong movements that can be useful to change the energy level, either up or down, whatever you need. You can do, did you learn walking meditation? I think you did in the second class, maybe. Actual walking. Well, if you didn't, come back to a day long here and somebody will teach you walking meditation, the simple practice of walking mindfully. I often, uh, if I've had a lot of activity and my mind is really busy, I find that walking meditation brings that level down and then I can sit with more comfort when I start a meditation. So those of you who are meditating... Are there any things that you do to either prepare yourself or set up conditions around you? You are a regular meditator. What works for you? I have an altar. You have an altar? Yeah, Mm -hmm. at a certain specific time Mm -hmm. that I sit in front of it. Good, yeah. So, I mean, all of you have probably tried at home somehow. Do you have any certain conditions you like when you have done your meditations? Mm-hmm. So sometimes we have a room that's really nice, and then the whole room can just sort of be full of, or empty. It can be empty or full, but it can have things in it that will lead us into that uh, motivation to meditate. Who else has been doing it regularly enough who could respond? Have you? And sometimes, you know, that's just how it is. And we have to work with the reality of our lives. And so, um, so we just do what we can to, to kind of uh, fulfill our commitment to ourselves to make meditation a part of life. Uh, so I'm going to run through a little process of what to do when you meditate at home, all by yourself with no teacher, no tape, nothing. Sometimes people are kind of intimidated to do this. I had a woman in my jail class who um, was, it was the last class she was going to attend. And she said, you know, I really like coming to this class, but I just can't do it on my own. And I said, you know, Victoria, you just did it on your own. She had run back to her um, bunk, got her inhaler, come silently into the room, 
joined the meditation in progress and sat quietly for 15 minutes. She did not notice that she had done all this all by herself on her own. And I had to point it out to her. I did not do that for you. I sat here and guided the meditation. You sat there and guided yourself. You can do it. So I'm here to tell you, you've been here for four weeks, four and a half weeks now. Nobody um, has put the meditative state into your head. You've been doing this yourself. The teacher sets the conditions, provides the teaching, the guidance, um, and then you're the one who has been meditating. And sometimes our expectations for meditation are a little highfalutin. We think we're going to have some really big experience each time. Uh Uh-uh. Sometimes it's like brushing teeth. We sit there, and we just sit there. You had that observation that it feels like I'm just sitting there. Guess what? That's how it is. Many times we just sit there, and we bring the attention to the breath. And it's gone, and we bring attention to the breath. And it's gone over there, we bring it to, it's gone into the memory, we bring it to the breath. It's gone into the future, we bring it to the breath. We hear our child, we come back to the breath. That simple practice of guiding attention is what changes your life. Because that simple awareness and practice, you don't have to make it happen in the rest of your life, it just does. So you think you're just sitting there and sitting. And what you are doing is training your mind to go where you put it and to stay there. And when it goes away, just like you would do with a little baby wandering or a puppy, you gently bring it back again without screaming at it, criticizing it, getting all upset. Come back. Welcome back. Come here with me. That has unbelievable power in your life. And that simple practice is accomplishing way more than we can see. We are actually changing brain chemistry when we work with the mind in this way. They are, because of the imaging techniques that are more powerful now, they're actually seeing that um, these movements of mind change the pathways in the brain. And so you may think you're just sitting, you're doing more than that. But when you first start, you have to be, you have to trust because you haven't had uh, the experiences of seeing it get out into your life. But believe me, um, this is how it works. It's sort of seemingly nothing much, but it is, um, it is a practice of, uh, it is a transformative practice. Now, if you only do it every other week, you know, it's going to take, it may or may not make any difference to you. It really does take some consistency to have an effect. And so this is where the effort is going to come in. How can I make it happen for me? Finding a way, even if it's five minutes that I sit at my desk in the morning before other people come in and just do it then. That kind of consistency is what's going to be transformative. If you, if you spend 50 minutes every other week, I th- you'll see a little bit of change, but I don't think it's going to be as powerful for you. So think about it in that way. If you can get a practice going more days than you don't, 
that's going to be, I think, really key. So I'm going to do all kinds of talking now, and afterwards we're going to do some practice. So hang in with me. So whatever length of meditation you're going to do, 5 minutes, 15, 30, sit down, set your timer, and make that commitment. Whatever comes up during this time, I will be with it. Whether it's difficult or easy or boring or I fall asleep 20 times, I will stay with this meditation. Of course, unless there's some emergency, you've got to be safe. We don't want to be silly about it. But we also don't want to give ourselves an easy out. There is some discipline involved in making this work. It is a practice of self-discipline. Um, it's a simple practice. It's not always easy. Don't ever think of it as easy, but do think of it as simple. Uh, so committing to your time, setting your timer, sitting down. Now, I've heard your meditation led by Shyla a couple of weeks in a row. You won't be able to lead yourself that way. Nobody's going to be talking to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to sit down. You're going to become still. You're going to give up. Eventually, you're going to give up the idea of being perfectly comfortable and just accept what it feels like. My shoulders pulling. So you could sit there the whole time and do this, or you could sit there and notice pulling, pulling. No more pulling. Um, we come to stillness partly as a discipline and partly as a way to see very clearly what's What's true about the body right now? So we tune into the body as our first um, way to come into the present moment. The body is always in the present moment. We find the sensations of breathing and we begin to be with that. We focus with the breath and we spend as much time as we need to with the breath to stabilize ourselves. In other words, to be, feel a little calmer to feel a little better about being here for the length of time we've committed to, and to be very clear what we're feeling. Oh, in-breath, out-breath, in-breath, out-breath. Very simple. Not easy to stay there, but simple. You could do that for the whole period you've committed to. Or, once you do feel you've got in-breath and out-breath, and you are aware the awareness can expand. You can let sound come in. We are always experiencing sound. Do you notice now that I'm saying it? There's bird calls, there's traffic. Uh, once in a while you might hear a voice from the park or music. We're rarely in actual silence. So we can expand our awareness to allow sound. We can begin to notice other sensations in the body. We can expand into noticing, what is my emotion right now? I may feel irritated. I may feel bored. I may feel really calm and energized at the same time. I may be amazed at this. I simply allow what's happening to be happening, and I notice it. I may notice stories starting about this, and I notice thinking. If I get lost in the story... If I get lost in anything, if I get confused, I come back to my breathing. And during a meditation that lasts 15 minutes or 40 minutes, you might go through this process 
three times, four times, of centering in the breath, expanding the awareness to whatever else is happening, kind of getting lost or confused or just really not knowing what to do, and using the breath as that anchor. I can always pay attention to breath. So you go through whatever meditation you've committed to, and the timer goes off. You're finished. So don't jump up, and don't jump up and pick up your laptop and run out the door. Sit there for a few more breaths, reflecting on how that experience was. Offer yourself some gratitude, some appreciation. I got through it. Was it easy? Was it difficult? What was the quality? Typically, you're going to find parts of it were easy, parts were difficult. I had a meditation within the past week where I slept for a good part of it. The sweetest sleep is on the cushion, I must say. Um, You might have two moments of awareness that you can remember. Those are two unchangeable moments that had an effect in you. Instead of dwelling on the sleep, instead of dwelling on the, oh my God, my mind was everywhere, really realize that what you're doing is making a difference and that you don't have to even see what the difference is. Maybe you just have to trust me or trust Shyla. It is making a difference for you. So every moment of mindfulness is valuable. Um, And there will become more and more of them as you simply become accustomed to sitting. So you can see why if you do it every other week, you're going to forget some of these skills. It really is a practice like playing golf or shooting baskets. There are certain skills that you can learn and do while you're sitting. You can do informal meditation as you go through your day. Uh, Sometimes you're sitting waiting for somebody to open their office door so you could ask them a question. You don't have to sit in the lotus position with your eyes closed, but you can sit quietly, become aware of the breath, become aware of what's happening, what's true for you in these moments, and use that time as a moment or two, as a minute or two, of coming to some inner peace. No problem right now. Um, You may find if you look around in your day, if you just reflect right now, are there moments that happen during your day? Perhaps you finished your lunch and you have five minutes after lunch. You could be sitting finishing email. You could be checking stuff on Twitter. Or you could go sit in a place where there's a little less activity and just be present with yourself. These informal ways of bringing mindfulness into your day can be very centering. And um, they're a compassionate way to bring attention to your own stresses and to your own activities. To just be present with yourself when you find the opportunity. It's especially valuable when you've got this busy and irregular schedule to look for these other opportunities that aren't 15 minutes long or 40 minutes long. Find them where you are and become a compassionate presence for yourself. Just being with yourself as you breathe. Perhaps you've got a difficult meeting coming up. Just be with yourself and notice, oh, there's anxiety. Hmm, there's some concern. Okay, there's in-breath, out-breath. 
Oh, there's the wind on my face. These moments of attention that give us some space away from the story of the worry and the story of the concern, these are where we really can get in touch of the peace we're looking for, of the calmness that we may have started meditation to find. It's always there. But we um, crowd our lives up with this kind of busyness that hides those qualities from us. So I'm going to ask you to reflect a moment on your your actual life. Do you see uh, moments in your day when you could do this? Do you realize they're actually there already? If you haven't thought in this way, you might not realize there are places and times in your day when you can... Do this work briefly. And would you be able to name some? Because your ideas might help someone else. Um, uh, Here's here's from uh, someone who is a friend of mine who's meditated several years. And she says, I can find several opportunities through the day, anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes, if I'm waiting in a car for my husband to do an errand. And she says, I always meditate in a doctor's waiting room. It calms me and it helps my blood pressure. So what in your life do you see right now as you reflect? Anybody willing to offer something to benefit of the group? Well, I was thinking um, when I started in September, I was actually able to meditate 45 minutes a day. The 15 minutes early, it's not like I'm cutting it down. Perfect. And, you, and you're covered. Yeah, yeah, that's really smart, and I would suggest that if that works for you, that's a great way to do it. And, you know, you can try it, as I suggested, to include the children sometimes, but for your own time, that sounds perfect to me. That's, that's a really wise, skillful thing to do. Uh, anybody else? Absolutely, and... What you're finding is your attention goes out where it needs to go. It also goes, you may observe, it goes all kinds of places you don't need it to be. Thinking about the meeting or remembering what that guy said and what you should have said. Things like that. We'll all have it made. Or we find a way to take the train. But that kind of, that is the way of bringing this kind of mindfulness into our everyday life. And that that's actually... Um, where we want to go uh, as well. Because if you just learn how to sit on a cushion and how to breathe, um, that's not particularly beneficial for your life, actually. The point of this is to bring the skills of meditation off the cushion to benefit your life and the lives of all of us. So that's a perfect example of a way to, um, to be aware and to be mindful in everyday walking around life. My contention is that this just happens, that you don't have to force this. Um, it just happens because you've had a consistent meditation practice. You've begun to train the mind to bring it back again and again, and you find you have a little more control and you're able to see things more clearly. But we can encourage it to happen by taking up an intentional practice like that. Um, 
one thing I learned to do kind of early on, years ago I was going to go to an opera, and it was before the days of subtitles, so I went to hear the lecture talking about the opera, describing what would happen and what they were singing. And the guy said, and now the soprano goes to stage front and she delivers an emotional weather report. And I thought, you know, that's just what I could do mindfully, an emotional weather report. And so I've used that term ever since for myself and for other beginners. As you go through your day, take a little weather report. Take two or three breaths while you're waiting at a red light. What is my body sensation? Hands on the wheel, eyes glancing at the mirror, feeling the buttocks tucked into the chair, hearing traffic, emotion, I'm a little tense, I feel it in the shoulders, I'm worried about whether I'll be on time, so worry. A story is happening. What if I'm late? The story is happening. It'll be okay, they'll wait for me. That was maybe three or four breaths at the most. You can take this kind of weather report, I call it a mindfulness weather report, all day long. Not constantly, but every once in a while. Check in with your experience right in the moment. And don't make it so detailed that you've got to you know, make up this literary paragraph about it. Just what is true in the body? What is true in the emotions? What's true in the mind? What's happening? This is a way of training the awareness to take in much more of the environment, and to become observant. I one time had to go to a doctor for um, a completely other little injury, and I began to describe to him some of the symptoms that came along with this injury, and he kept looking at me. He said, are you a doctor? I said, no. He said, are you a nurse? I said, no. He said, this is a really complete and good description of this um, injury. I said, well, I'm a trained meditator. He said, it shows. So I'm just telling you that I wasn't even thinking about it, but I had really carefully observed these things in my body that I thought would be significant for a medical practitioner, and he thought they were significant. So it was like an outside observer was telling me I was really picking up on important things, and that was very affirming to me that this simple meditation practice that I train just moving the breath around, moving the attention around the body, around the emotions and the thinking, was working for me in my life as a real way to be. So some people bring this into their life by sticking post-it notes on their telephone. When the phone rings, hello, or let it ring twice. And as it rings, if you see the number and know who it is, breathe, bring them to mind. Drop what it is you're doing in your attention and put them in your attention and answer when you can be mindfully with them. That's mindful telephone. Same thing with email. Bang out an answer. Look who you're writing to. What is my emotion around this person and this situation? Be mentally with the person. Be emotionally there and then respond you will find you don't have to uh, sort of try to suck back your emails sometimes if you go too fast. Mindful emailing is, um, is a good way to do it. I heard of a doctor who every time he looked at a clock or a watch did one of these emotional weather reports. 
and you know, he probably looked at a clock often during the day, but that was his encouragement. Be mindful. Don't be in the head all the time. Wake up. See what's happening. Some people do it every time they walk through a doorway. They just wake up. What's happening? What's true? Eating is a really good way to pay attention. Have you ever eaten mindfully? To look at your food? To put it in the mouth with great intention? To feel it? To feel the mastication, the teeth, the tongue, the saliva? To feel that bolus swallowing all the way down? And then just to wait? It's an amazing way to eat. If you ever have a chance, and probably you should be alone to do it, to eat a meal in this way, uh, you'd be surprised how quickly you feel satiety. You had enough. And then you can observe how much more food goes down after you've actually had enough. It's, it's, it's quite amazing. And an experienced practitioner says, you can really be mindful if you eat with your opposite hand. So if you're right-handed, try eating with your left you'll really wake up to the sensations of eating. It's, it's tricky. Um, one person said, I, my practice is not to multitask. So when I'm emailing, I'm not talking on the phone. I'm not twittering. When I'm driving, I'm not chattering. I do what I'm doing, just as you said with driving, just being present. And even doing one simple task, we'll notice our attention wandering around. So finding our place of calm, our presence, and um, bringing our own compassion to ourselves all during the day in these simple ways puts us in a, in a deep connection with our own life. When we come back, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about deepening our practice, and guess what? We'll do some meditation. So I'd like to take about a five-minute break. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.